Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. So compliance will always have to continue to report to the board, but maybe what they're reporting on is slightly different, you know, pre-COVID rather than what we're in now. Um, And that's the thing whereby we've had a number of discussions about how compliance is actually reporting to the board. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher. I'm the editor of the GRC Professional Online. And today we have Bronwyn Gallisher from CCL Consultants. Hi, Bronwyn. How are you? Hi, Kwame. Good, thanks. Uh, so today we're going to talk a little bit about the coronavirus and its impact, but not the usual conversations we've been having, but obviously looking at maybe some spaces people have been not paying as much attention to, and in this case, the competition space. So I'll just get the ball rolling here. I mean, with all the disruption that we've had, I mean, is there anything that's been happening in the competition space, maybe from a regulatory perspective or from any other perspective that people may not have been paying attention to? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think it's just really important just firstly, just for um, businesses and compliance and risk practitioners just to appreciate that whilst we might be um, experiencing COVID-19, it doesn't stop regulators from applying Um, legislation, so um, enforcement actions or whether it be potentially litigation. So they're certainly still um, active in the space. Um, What is quite interesting is that the ACCC has received a record number of authorisations. And um, the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because the authorisation provisions that exist under the Competition and Consumer Act in Australia Um, and also, by the way, available in New Zealand, are quite unique compared to other OECD countries. So what I'm talking about is that businesses can seek exemptions from the likes of the uh, ACCC or the New Zealand Commerce Commission, whereby they can potentially enter into arrangements with one another, by way of example, uh, a cartel arrangement. Uh, If the public benefit associated with the conduct outweighs the detriment, And as I mentioned, this is quite unique in the fact that Australia and New Zealand have it, and in other jurisdictions like the US, um, these types of exemptions are not available. So if we think about COVID-19, what's happening is that industry competitors uh, are having to have discussions with one another, say, for example, about volumes in the market to ensure continuation of supply uh, downstream and upstream, or there might be a need to discuss issues such as customer allocation of um, goods or services. And these industry competitors are very mindful that if they fail to seek an exemption from the ACCC, they might be subject to example to uh, the cartel provisions that may result in um, significant penalties Uh, and also potentially uh, financial penalties, that is, and also potentially jail terms for um, individuals involved in such conduct. So we've seen the ACCC approve um, these authorisations, or I should say really give um, a number of instances interim authorisations to allow industry competitors, for example, in the energy space, uh, in the supermarket industry, in pharmaceutical, just to name a few, whereby they can get together and enter into discussions with one another about things such as volume, uh, 
Uh, and ordinarily, without having uh, such an exemption, you can't have those conversations with um, competitors. And we've seen a significant increase in the amount of applications that the ACCC has received across a variety across a variety of industries. So that is something that. Um, is a good thing where we're seeing that um, industry, where there's a need to ensure continuation of supply, for example, that um, that that does take place. And that's, for example, to, to try and alleviate things such as panic buying, which uh, we have seen in some uh, areas of our economy. Okay, yeah. But I, I guess one of the interesting things, you talk about this interim, um, and I, I just wonder when conditions change and when business, you know, I don't know what normal will look like at the end, but I guess when things come back to some semblance of normal, how can mm. the regulator ensure that the businesses understand that those permissions were just interim? Yeah. So what's the interesting thing is, so the ACCC gives an interim um, authorization, then a final one. And what it's certainly doing in a number of industry sectors is, for example, limiting the time that the um, authorization would apply. Generally, authorizations are given for, you know, peri periods of three to five years. Um, within industry sectors, but certainly under COVID, that's far too long. And what we want to be seeing in the economy is obviously returning to um, normal. In that's in apostrophes, I give that <laughs> word uh, as soon as as soon as we can. So that's whereby um, with the number of these authorizations, they're only limited to a six month period. Uh, sometimes the parties who are able to be party to the authorizations are maybe limited so that the scope is quite narrow. Um, and what's happening is a number of um, industry-based meetings are taking place with, for example, the Department of Foreign Affairs and uh, discussions between competitors are limited to those government-based forums rather than giving a blanket um, clearance to just, for example, pick up the phone and, and discuss volumes or prices, but rather the, the discussions are confined to certain sets of um, uh, environmental um, issues, if I could call it call it that. So it's not a what I call a free for all with the authorizations, but rather they're highly targeted. And uh, in addition to that, the ACCC still seeks um, public consultation uh, about that to ensure that it is receiving feedback from the wider community and mm -hmm. potentially um, competitors within those particular industries about their views about the authorisation um, uh, to help the ACCC form its view as to whether it will or it won't provide the authorisation and the terms upon which that will be granted. Okay. Uh, so I thought one of the things that's interesting this year, and we were actually supposed to do a podcast earlier, but things got really busy at the time because I think that's when the, the pandemic stuff had sort of spilled onto the scene. And I think we were at the time we were going to talk about the ACCC's um, priorities for 2020. So I'm just sort of interested to know how have things shifted, do you think, in terms of the competition space based on what ACCC was going to be focusing on versus what they're going to be focusing on now? Um, with the disruption. Uh, yeah, right. Well, I guess um, from their enforcement priorities, um, they were set back um, in the period of, say, uh, February. Mm. And to be honest with you, those priorities haven't 
changed despite COVID-19. Um, so the ACCC's enforcement and compliance priorities are still within the particular industries, for example, in the funeral uh, sector. Um, the issues about digital platform reform, so we're seeing that taking place in the media at the moment. Energy, telecommunications, also food products and health claims are, and country of origin claims are a high priority for the ACCC to ensure that consumers aren't potentially misled by uh, representations made by suppliers in the marketplace. Uh, and certainly other areas such as the um, construction industry and whether it be the likes of franchising code or uh, the dairy code. So they're just a, a handful of the enforcement priorities that the ACCC identified back in February, but they're certainly, um, are, they're certainly being active in those particular industries to ensure uh, compliance in that regard. Okay. And, and it, back on sort of the regulator again, um, we did say that obviously reg, um, there's been sort of a standstill or at least a slow bit of changes in terms of regulation as a result of the pandemic. But have there been any changes in the ACL or CCL, maybe even before this year, maybe late last year, anything that people should be paying attention to and they haven't, that they may not have included in their compliance program, or if it's there, they haven't been actively monitoring? Yeah, so we haven't um, seen any major legislative um, developments in terms of the um, competition and consumer um, law space from a legislative perspective. But um, I think it certainly um, indicates to you that um, the ACCC, given that it is being vigilant at the moment, uh, there certainly is a, a need for companies to continue to prioritise um, the need to upskill staff and uh, educate them about the area of competition and consumer law. Uh, and so it's really, now would be actually a really good time for um, companies to maybe have a look at their strategic direction over the next 12 months to ensure that they've covered um, obviously competition and consumer law um, and I would even make uh, a wider general comment as well that um, generally generally companies don't necessarily implement their crisis management plans as there's yep. sometimes no need to do so but certainly I think COVID-19 a number of um, companies would have needed to um, implement their compliance management uh, crisis management plans and now would be a good time to, to really have a look back and say did it really work was it helpful where can we create efficiencies or improvement in the existing crisis management plans um, to tackle whether it be a second wave which obviously we all hope doesn't take place yeah. or even just generally other crises that the companies may be experiencing okay and um I guess speaking very generally, um, maybe conversations that you've heard or conversations you've had, are there any mm -hmm. particular concerns that companies are having in that sort of GRC space um, with the disruption or what may come after the disruption? Um, yeah, I mean, a few things are going on um, and it's been great, I guess, um, if I can even take it from the perspective of um, GRC that um, we, myself, were teach, I was teaching face-to-face -face training uh, across Australia of some of our courses and what we've done is actually gone onto online platforms. 
uh, and that's been really good to deliver that training by the way via those platforms and um, the feedback that we've been getting from um, industry participants um, is really in the compliance and, and, and risk space is about companies utilising, I guess, when we if we could call it the downtime um, mm. that some of them may had to actually upskill staff. Uh, and it's been really great to see that um, we've had new people attend our, our courses that we've, we've offered. And um, I guess have a look at the strategic plans that people might have formed back in 2019 and say, okay, what, what haven't we achieved and how can we achieve that now in the remaining um, six months of this, this calendar uh, year? And um, as part of our courses, we've been workshopping ideas about, you know, ensuring that compliance still delivers uh, across the business as, uh, as a department um, and ensures that we deliver the um, strategic objectives. So one example like I spoke about is we might have done a lot of face-to-face -face training, but rather now let's use online platforms uh, to conduct our training uh, and make sure that we um, ensure that everyone across the business is still aware that compliance matters uh, and um, we're moving towards achieving our strategic goals as a business unit. Oh yeah, excellent. So I guess it's just a, using the technology to sort of achieve what we've been trying to achieve anyways um, prior to the lockdowns. Um, so on that piece of training, and I mean not just training of risk and compliance professionals, but do you get a sense that companies and businesses are making an effort to do that sort of essential compliance training for like say their first line and that kind of thing as well at this time? Yeah, or, I think that's yeah. the, that's the feedback that we've yeah. been um that's the feedback that we've been getting from uh, members that it's been um, uh, taking place, mm -hmm. um, which is which is obviously um, a very good a very good thing. I think another just going back to your other question as well. By the way, it's just come to me. Um, another thing maybe um, to mention is about reporting. Yep. So compliance will always have to continue to report to the board, but maybe what they're reporting on is slightly different. You know, pre-COVID rather than what we're in now. Um, and that's the thing whereby we've had a number of discussions about how compliance is actually reporting to the board. Um, and just quickly, just on that, you know, obviously we can look at it from a time dimension. So um, backwards looking current and future. Uh, and I think that we are really in this space at the moment, looking at a lot of um, current and also future um, reporting issues to um, the the board or your audit and risk committee, um, and so and also the types of risks that you were maybe reporting to the board. If I could say top twenty risks, might look completely different now to what they were um, pre-COVID. So it's quite a challenging time for compliance professionals in in, in that regard. Okay. Well, I'll bring it down to the, the final question now. Um, and you've been doing this throughout all the questions, but it, you know, what advice do you have for you know, professionals who are just trying to get this right from a GRC perspective so they don't miss anything critical? Yeah, I think um, you know, really utilising the opportunity to have a look at your existing structures and your existing frameworks and seeing you know, are they delivering back to the business during such times that we're living through at the moment? Um, and really looking at where you can um, tweak systems or tweak processes, policies and, and, and procedures and really use this um, 
unique set of circumstances we're in at the moment to reassess how compliance is delivering back to the business because we're, we're um, obviously responsible for KPIs like other business units. Yeah. And um, I think now is a good chance to, I guess, raise the profile of compliance if it hasn't been as um, on the agenda of your board or in, even, uh, you know, priority of the front line. Now's the opportunity to bring it um, to a forefront in that regard. Okay. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Bronwyn. No worries. Thanks for your time. This podcast was a production of the Governance Risk and Compliance Institute and the music was produced by Rob Neary.